It's happening. We're going live. Here we go. All right. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. You've heard this before, but I do pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, check us out. Sunday morning, our service is at 1030. If you're not local, check out our live stream, uh, calvary316.live. Again, service is at 1030 Sunday mornings. I am joined, as always, in studio by the man that need, means, <laughs> man, this is so hard to even get out of my mouth, <laughs> by the man that, that needs no introduction. Um, so I, but don't, don't switch the camera real quick. Okay. Let me don't do switch, this. Don't switch the camera. Right. Yep. So I, cause I, cause the audience is not prepared. They're not prepared for what's about to happen. So if you've been with us for the last few episodes, uh, you understand, you know, that Creighton, who's my sidekick, he's the producer of the show. Uh, he went out, decided to do a 23 and me. Now Creighton is black. Did a 23 and me. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> Creighton is black. Forewarning. Forewarning. you didn't know. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. It, th- this up. might be someone's first time ever watching, and this needs to be prefaced. So Creighton is black, did a 23 and me. Come to find out, he's a quarter Italian, which just explains so many things about Creighton. It explains absolutely nothing about it me. It explains so much about Creighton. And so uh, we have launched a new uh, Outlaw Radio email uh, address. Um, it is Pope Creighton. Because Creighton is Roman, Pope Creighton <laughs> at gmail.com. And so after last week's episode, two the, weeks ago, two weeks ago, the, the brain trust was like, okay, this, <laughs> this needs to happen. And so, uh, without further to do, uh, Creighton, welcome to the outlaw radio show. Hey y'all. What's up? Yeah, I that am, is, uh, this is, this that is, is happening right now. <laughs> that is the Creighton. Awesome. I uh, feel so cool. Pope Creighton. Yes. I'm Pope Creighton. Um, I will forgive no one since. You forget no one sins. <laughs> no one sins. I will. I will excommunicate yes. all. You're all Anybody evil, that asks no for uh, absolution or whatever the hail mary, th- excommunicated. <laughs> excommunicated. Yep. No one has a, as no they say one. In no one has a chance. <laughs> Pope Creighton in the house as the producer. We're also joined. Kind of mixing it up tonight. Uh, we've got one of the staples, one of the the uh, the mighty men of the Outlaw Radio Show. We've got Deal Daddy Derek. Uh, with us in a different seat, you're in the seat normally occupied by Nick. Yep, left and, hand. And then stepping into your place is uh, is a friend of the show, uh, Mr. Uh, Dear Daddy Vinny. Dear Daddy, Dear Daddy, Dear Daddy, Dear Daddy, Dear Daddy, Daddy Himes. Uh, Vinny, how you doing, my brother? Doing good. How you guys doing? Absolutely doing great. Glad you're here. And then we're also joined uh, by Spice Daddy. Uh, we'll flip over to Spice Daddy. Uh, uh, this is your opportunity to kind of uh, that's right. add a little got, plug. I, uh, that's me, and then I got my sponsor behind me. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag not really spons. Uh, no, but if he wants to, shout Absolutely. out. Mikey Mike uh, Lindell. Pope Vaughn or Pope Creighton at gmail.com. Yeah. Mike Lindell, hit him up. Sponsor, sponsor the, up. The, the Spice Daddy Couch is brought to you today <laughs> by My Pillow. That's right. Um, <laughs> my Pillow. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Yeah, this show, the fact that we threw in a My Pillow and. We have the Pope hat um, at the same time. At for the, the same first time. time, I mean, we are we are off and running. So the way the show works, very simple. <clears throat> this is an unscripted Bible study. I have no idea <clears throat> what we're going to be talking about tonight. These guys have no idea. Uh, Pope Creighton is the only one that knows the topic of tonight, and then it's our job to turn that topic into a Bible study, conversational Bible study, which is cool. Not only will we kind of work out an idea together here in studio, but if you're joining us on the live stream. Um, below the video, 
uh, the comments section. Creighton is monitoring that, and you can interact. You can leave comments, ask questions, <coughs> join the conversation, which is very cool. Creighton, you got anything? Yes. Uh, we have a longtime fan, Jennifer, says that I have a nice hat. And uh, <laughs> my mother, who I love so much, thinks that it's very funny. She said, ha, ha, ha. Your mother and, uh, found so this mama. to be funny. Yes. yes. I, think it's, I also think it's funny. I think yeah. it's fantastic. I'm yeah. super into it. So these this. little tassel things, we've we yeah, tried to work know. up. I've decided to call them Leku, which is spelled L-E-K-K. Yeah, you? I don't like that. I like, I like Deal Daddy. Deal Daddy. Flip over to Deal Daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I go with Leku. No, those are Pope Dreads. Pope Dreads. Pope Dreads. <laughs> We're going, we are officially going with Pope Dreads. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I don't think it's cooth for you to, to culturally appropriate a fictional character's <laughs> head tails. <laughs> right. We'll go with that. Anyway. Uh, again, Vinny's sitting over there thinking, "What did I just walk into?" Yeah, I'm gonna uh, go. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is great. Hey, let me uh, let me say something. So we're gonna do something. This will be fun. A um, raffle. A, ra- a raffle. <laughs> no, it's not a, <laughs> a live stream giveaway. <laughs> no, well, kind of a giveaway. So we we launched this new email, um, uh, this new Gmail. So Pope Creighton at gmail.com. That is the email address. Now. Regrettably, we've had no emails come through this new uh, amazing email address for the Outlaw Radio Show. And so um, the first three people that are not in the studio, the first three people that email us okay, with their name, address, and shirt size will get, and, and they're in production, a Get Fed Today t-shirt. So if you, if the first three people, name, address, and shirt size, um, again, Derek, you can't, you can't, you're, you're sending that to your wife saying, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I would not take away somebody else's position. Of course you would. Um, I'm going to addendum that. <laughs> Let's, of course you would. How do you spell uh, I'm going to addendum that real fast. Sure How do you spell Creighton? Creighton? Um, Great so question. I'm gonna, so, so two, two addendums. Number one, I will put it in the comments of both the, uh, Facebook and YouTube chat. Um, and Walter, if you're watching, I promise I will get you a shirt before anybody else gets shirts. Cause he's been waiting for a shirt for a long time. Walter, I got you. I promise we're going to get you a shirt. I promise, but we're not doing a giveaway of shirts until we get one to Walter. Until mm. we get well, right? okay. Well, so we Walter, get there's a very Walter. easy remedy for Walter to get a shirt. Him to he's already some, emailed us. He needs well, some, there's a new email address. Needs let's to be real. Bill Tong. That's what needs to happen. Say what? Bill Tong. Bill Tong. Oh, Explain we're getting, it. oh, of course you bring Africa. it back he to is. food, Justin. Well, what do you expect? Right. <laughs> Spice Daddy. So on. before we get to the topic tonight, before we get to the topic, um, I do have, um, uh, it's not a rant, but a little little thing I want to talk about, and that is the Jesus Revolution movie. So before we get to your topic, Creighton, uh, you guys, have you seen the Jesus Revolution movie? I have no. not. So you guys no. have not seen it yet, but you no. know about it, right? Yes. You know what it's yeah. about. Creighton, have you seen it? I have not seen it. So I'm the only one in here that has seen it. <clears throat> That's fine. This is... So I'm going to give you guys spoiler alert. Granted, I, I did grow up in Calvary Chapel, so I kind of already know the you full kind story. Of, so I'm not going to spoil it. Like, you right. know, something cool happens um, <laughs> in Calvary Chapel, right? What? The Lord moved? The Lord moved? Right? There was a revival? What? <laughs> Jesus? Um, so what we're going to do is um, I'm, I want to give you a share just very quickly uh, my thoughts on the Jesus Revolution and I'm going to kind of, kind of hit this like buckshot. So there's going to be just a lot of thoughts just thrown out there. Uh, I thought the movie was, was fantastic. Uh, so that's just to start with. And I want to make sure that that's clear. 
uh, for anything that I might say that's negative. I'm starting by saying that I thought the movie was fantastic. My wife and I went. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, there were moments where we, we cried, where it was this moving, uh, where we laughed, where it was funny. Like it was, it was just a very well written, very well written script. And um, and and beyond that, the acting, uh, Kelsey Grammer playing Pastor Chuck, the guy that played Greg Laurie, the guy that plays Lonnie Frisbee, who is the Jesus and the Chosen. Um, I guess there's that that TV show, The Chosen. Uh, he's the guy that plays Jesus in The Chosen, plays Lonnie Frisbee in the movie. Again, very, very well written, well acted, and the cinematography uh, was was superb. So I am not a huge fan of like Christian movies um, because they're they're often poorly written, poorly acted, poorly directed, poorly directed, poorly, poorly produced. Lighted. They're just they're just they're subpar um, often. Well, I say subpar. They're low budget in a bad way. Mm. Um, there's often not a lot of backing, not a lot of funding. You know, people are trying to do a good thing, but it's just, it's poorly conceived, um, and, and poorly executed. This, the opposite, um, was from top to bottom, from the production value, the acting, the script writing, it was, it was a major motion picture. Like it, it deserved to be in major theaters. It deserved to be nationwide. Um, and it, and it, and it was, I think the top three, the top three, um, in its opening day weekend, it pulled in thirty million dollars. Like it, wow. it got the 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 reception. It's still, it's still doing great. It's still doing great, and and and, it, and it absolutely warranted and deserved. And and it, and I'll say this, and it's a great movie, even if you're not a Christian. Like even if it's something that like you're just kind of interested in the subject matter or the topic, you see a trailer. Um, it is, um, I think, a challenging movie. I think it's if you're not a believer, <clears throat> if you're not a Christian, it'll get you to think about some things which is great, but like you don't have to be a Christian to enjoy the movie in much the same way that you don't have to be like um, a Hindu to like Life of Pi, <laughs> you know, um, that you can kind of approach it with whatever worldview you have and then just enjoy the story. Um, it's, it's just, it's impeccably done. Um, the, the, the thing I will say, though, about it um, is, is it a, an accurate portrayal of this historical event that we know as the Jesus movement. So in the late sixties into the seventies, you had an actual historical thing uh, that occurred in Southern California. And then it spread across the country and it included actual characters, Lonnie Frisbee, pastor Chuck Smith, Calvary chapel uh, included Greg Laurie and amongst others. Is it, is it an accurate portrayal of, of an actual historical event? To that, I'll say yes, eh. And let me kind of elaborate. It is definitely a portrayal of a period of American history. Um, is it a documentary in that sense? It Does it set out to like portray the nitty-gritty of exactly what happened? No, that's not the intention of the movie. The intention of the movie is, yes, to talk about the Jesus movement, um, but it does so very specifically uh, through the lens of Greg Laurie, uh, who is um, a very well-known pastor. He came out of the Calvary Chapel movement. Uh, he started Calvary Chapel Riverside, which the, the movie deals with, um, which is now known as Harvest. Uh, he does Harvest Crusades. He's on the board of the Billy Graham Association. Greg Laurie is a very well-known uh, individual. You, you'll see advertisements 
um, you know, he's got a whole series of ads that they run on Fox News that are very evangelical uh, in nature. Um, it, it is, it is, yes, a portrayal of history, but through the lens of one guy. Not to say that it's it's wrong, because I, I wouldn't say that, but it is one man's perspective of things. And I think he does a really good job of, of, of making sure the things that are portrayed are, are factual, but they're just limited in scope. A perfect example of this is that if you had just watched the movie, uh, you might have been um, left with, with the perspective that a Pastor Chuck and Kay only had one child, um, Janet, um, because there's only one child portrayed. Like, they don't even show other children. But there were other children um, that the Smiths had that were also kind of a part of things. Um, but it, but it, it, it focuses more on how Janet contributes to the story and just kind of completely excludes out. It doesn't include other like notable figures of that time period from guys like Mike McIntosh to John Corson uh, to Raul Reese. I mean, I, there's a whole long list of people <clears throat> that the, that not even mentioned um, within the movie. So the best way for me to describe, and this might be controversial, but I, I think this is the best way to explain the movie if you haven't seen it. Justin, you and I were talking about this a couple Sundays ago. <clears throat> think of it as the Christian version of Forrest Gump. Okay? <laughs> it's the Christian version of Forrest Gump. Like, Forrest Gump is a critically acclaimed movie. Fantastic movie. Tom Hanks, Robin Wright Penn. It is a wonderful movie. But <clears throat> at its core, Forrest Gump is what? It's actually a love story, right? It's a love story, this very intricate love story of Forrest and Ginny. Jenny. You know, and, and there's, and, and, but it's a love story. It's the tale of these two people set at a backdrop of a time period of American history, you know? And so you're following, you know, Forrest Gump's character, um, from, you know, and, and you got all these other colorful characters like Lieutenant Dan, and you're, you're following his story at the backdrop of like culturally relevant events that are occurring, um, in a lot of ways, that's exactly what Jesus Revolution movie is. It is the story of Greg Laurie and his wife, Kathy Laurie. It's their story of, of conversion, um, of how they met. Uh, it's, it is a love story of, of ultimately how they get married, you know, how they start ministry together. Like it is, it focuses on them at the backdrop of the, the Jesus movement. So whereas maybe the Jesus Revolution movie does, uh, maybe a, it includes a little bit more of the historical back, background than maybe Forrest Gump does, it's very similar in its comparison. Um, and I would say very well done in that sense. But if you're looking at like, hey, I want to know way more about this time period of history, this will give you an insight. It should, should whet your appetite for further study. Because again, there's a lot of other perspectives. There's a lot of other information. And, and as an example... You know, it, it talks about how Lonnie Frisbee, who's this hippie street preacher, you know, how he gets picked up hitchhiking uh, by Janet Smith, gets brought into Pastor Chuck's home, and how this whole thing kind of starts. So it talks a lot about Lonnie Frisbee and Pastor Chuck in the early days of Calvary Chapel. And it documents their ultimate splitting of ways, departure of ways. Um, and at the end of the movie, it actually kind of gives a recap of how they come back together and reconcile with some things, how Lonnie ends up starting 
the vineyard movement uh, afterwards. Uh, but what I don't like about the movie, and this is this is the one thing I would I would add, is that it seems to portray that the split of Pastor Chuck and Lonnie Frisbee was kind of this arbitrary thing based on the incompatibility of two big egos. You know, that the ego of Lonnie Frisbee and the ego of Pastor Chuck got to this point where they couldn't uh, they couldn't coexist uh, in this sphere. And I don't think that's an accurate portrayal of what of what took place. Um, now, could ego have been involved? Sure. Um, but and the movie touches on it, but it doesn't dig into it, I think, enough that the ultimate disconnect between Pastor Chuck and Lonnie Frisbee dealt with uh, theology. And it ended up being theology particularly related to the Holy Spirit um, and, and the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how those gifts uh, should be um, employed, used, allowed within the greater assembly of the church. And there was kind of this point where Lonnie's very charismatic and Chuck was charismatic. But there was kind of this point in time where Chuck was like, hey, what you're doing is bordering on sensational and we need to temper that back. And Lonnie freaks out about it. So there ends up being this division and, and it gets explained as like ego. Um, when in reality, I think it was theology. And I think Chuck had an actual point that, hey, Lonnie, the, the, you know. And then later on, even though they reconcile, Lonnie still breaks from Calvary Chapel because he's way more charismatic. And that's where the vineyard movement uh, kind of manifests and comes out of. Uh, before I, we completely shift topics... Uh, doing a little bit of research for the film, um, and I'll take any questions that you guys might have in just a second. But um, so there was a scene. So Jess, Jess and I are in the theater. We're watching the movie. And there's this scene where they're in the tent. Uh, so Calvary Chapel, this little church, uh, has all these hippies coming in, you know, getting saved. And they can't meet in the building anymore. <clears throat> so they put up this big tent, right, while they're going to try to build a new building. So and it's, it is a period of history known as the tent. If you've been around Calvary Chapel, people will tell stories about the tent. Um, I got a guy going to our church, Ed, uh, who's a drummer that played drums in the tent cool. uh, for some Christian bands doing worship, which is which is very cool, especially when you watch it and you're like, oh my gosh, that Ed was there playing. That that's just such a cool thing. But there's this scene in the tent where people are getting healed, and they bring up this Vietnam vet who's just totally looks coked out, drugged out, worn out. And he's in a wheelchair and they bring him up and Lonnie heals him or does something. To, you know, there's, there's this scene I'm, I'm watching it. And I go, I turned to Jess. I was like, is that, is that who I think it is? And she goes, I don't know. I was like, well, at dinner, oh, at, right. at dinner, let's talk about it. So sure enough, the, the guy, same guy ends up being in a scene where they're doing baptisms and, and what's known as the cove there um, in, in Southern California. <clears throat> and they bring in the same guy, they bring him in the wheelchair. He gets baptized well, so we, we researched to see if, the, if it was who I thought it was. Sure enough, totally right. Now, the guy's name is Sean Weiss. That ring a bell? All of you will know who this is when I tell you. Vinny, you, you'll, this will resonate. Remember the My, Mighty Ducks? Yeah. Right? Remember Goldberg? Yeah. The goalie, right? Yep. Just this flamboyant, larger-than-life type of character. Goldberg the goalie. The actor's Sean Weiss. That's his name. Well, if you if you if you Google Sean Weiss or Goldberg, Mighty Ducks, dude's life took a really terrible turn um, after the Mighty Ducks franchise. Like, 
Total drugs, methamphetamine. I mean, I believe it got so bad, it was like a court-ordered rehab. Like, I mean, and, and, and you, you Google... There's a picture where he looks like a zombie. It's like, like skin and bones. It looks like he's 80 years old. Like it's nuts. It's nuts. Well, he, he got clean and he was leaving rehab. Well, Lionsgate is the big production company behind the guys that are doing the movie. So they're the, they're the money men behind it. Lionsgate, not a Christian organization, big Hollywood enterprise. Well, Lionsgate, I guess somebody in the, the, the executive realm of, of Lionsgate knew Sean was getting out of rehab, was wanting to get back and work, you know, as part of recovery, getting back, you know, being productive. And so, so they made a phone call to the guys that were doing Jesus Revolution movie and said, hey, um, here's the story. This is the guy. Um, he's wanting to get back into acting. We think that, that um, a movie like this, if you guys could find a small role for him, um, this would be a great environment for him. Be a great maybe first step back into acting. Um, in fact, we'll cover all the expenses. Uh, we'll cover his salary. We'll, we'll, we'll cover it. Can, can you guys find a role? And so they actually wrote the role for him. Uh, they, they were really moved by it and thought, hey, if we can help this guy out, this is kind of fits within the spirit of what the movie's about. you know. Right. And so they, they end up writing this role you know, where he's this, this Vietnam vet. Um, I was reading this article, though. So, you know, they had filmed the first part um, in the tent. And so they were at filming at the Cove. And so they were doing, they were filming the baptisms. This is all dramatized. So, you know, it's a movie set. Um, and, and it just so happened that, that Sean Weiss was on set because they were going to film his scene. Um, but Greg Laurie. Um, who wrote the book Jesus Revolution that the movie's based on, and and the main character is based on his life. So so he's actually on set, and without anybody knowing it, he ends up having this conversation with Sean Weiss, and before anyone knew it, off off camera, Greg Laurie takes him into the Pacific Ocean and baptizes him for for real. That that's awesome. Wow, that's super cool. How cool is that, that right? Is awesome. I yeah. knew that happened, but I didn't know it was him. It, that, that's exactly who oh, it was. Okay. That's awesome. And that's the backdrop. It was Goldberg the goalie, right? Um, I just thought, well, you know, what a cool thing. What a, what a cool testimony. So yeah. I would highly recommend watching it. Uh, Jesus Revolution, the take you're not going to get anywhere else is it is the Christian Forrest Gump. I'm not saying Greg Laurie's <laughs> retarded. That's not, the, that's not where we're going. Thank you for the clarification. Um, yeah. But um, nor am I saying Kathy Laurie ends up dying of AIDS, right? Which is what happened to Jenny? Yes, it is. Um, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's a seventy-year-old uh, movie. Uh, fine. Jenny dies um, right. at the end, um, and then what? and then their kid ends up in Sixth Sense, which is just—I don't even know how that happened, right? Benny, I appreciate that you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about. Any questions before we or comments? Maybe online. Uh, I have a couple comments. Couple comments. Bring them. Bring them. Uh, so we're going right? to start with your mother. My mother. Yes. Uh-oh. She Uh-oh. would like you to know that it is Janice, not Janet. Uh, Janice, I assume that that you. is about uh, Janice. Uh, Chuck's Ch- daughter. Uh, Chuck's daughter. Smith. Yes, okay. Janice. Um, and she also says it's a movie that was adapted from the book Greg Laurie wrote. It was his story, which makes sense. Um, which I added and explained. And then Jennifer asked, um, did Lonnie think he was a prophet? Um, and I think that is because of the fact that you were saying that he was much more charismatic than Chuck Smith. You also mentioned the idea that he was, um, that he might've, might've been doing healings in the tent. 
I don't know exactly where that's coming from. The, but do you think that he thought that he was a, did he do faith healings? This uh, Lonnie Frisbee? Because I don't know anything about Lonnie Frisbee. I know a little about Chuck, nothing about Lonnie. So they, they, they definitely Let me put you back on screen. So they definitely um, <clears throat> present Lonnie Frisbee in the movie doing faith healings. Okay. <clears throat> and, and they present it as legit, like an like actual manifestations, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and the gift of the Spirit is healing. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's a real thing. Now it gets abused, it gets taken advantage of, it gets misconstrued, misrepresented, but in a lot of ways within Christianity. <clears throat> there seems to be legit stories. And, and, and I, I, should, I, should, I should add, um, Pastor Chuck was just as charismatic as Lonnie Frisbee. But their charisma manifested in different ways. Lonnie was a hippie. Mm-hmm. Chuck was not a hippie. <clears throat> Chuck was 45 years old when all of this started. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was what, what they would say in the movie. He was a square. Um, but he was open to God doing a new thing, and he wanted to be a part of it. But Chuck was just as charismatic. But Chuck had, a, I think, and I think this is a safe thing to say, a much more rooted understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit from a biblical standpoint as opposed to Lonnie. Now, there's no doubt that Lonnie is a, a very interesting character. Um, there's a lot about Lonnie Frisbee I don't know. I didn't know my dad has a Lonnie Frisbee story. Oh, really? Like my dad, uh, I'm going to probably butcher the story. Uh, I'll need to have him on and, and, and explain it. But my dad wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and speak in tongues. Um, but coming from his Baptist background, there was just this wasn't sure if this was real or if this was conjured or what was going on. He goes to this conference and he goes up to Lenny, uh, Lonnie Frisbee and he's like, Hey, you know, I, I'm, and Lonnie's like, I'll pray for you, but you need to take off your shoes first. My dad was like, no, I'm not taking off my shoes. You know, what do I need to take off my shoes? This is just the ploy. This is just one of those things. You know, it's a trick. And Lonnie's like, well, I'm not going to pray for you. If you don't take off your shoes, I'm not going to pray for you because if you can't understand it here, you're not willing to take a step of faith. And my dad left angry, you know, like, like upset about it. And, you know, the worship service or whatever's going on, he finally, like, takes off his shoes. And he gets baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues, and he comes up to Lonnie. And uh, Lonnie's like, you took off your shoes, didn't you? You know, like that type of thing. <laughs> but that's like, and, and I probably butchered the story to an extent, but, um, but that's kind of how, like, Lonnie was. Like, he was just one of those guys that just had this, like, Maybe he did too much acid. I don't know, but it seemed to be right. But, and then, and then, I mean, he, but he also, he also had some serious deep. Again, the movie's not a biopic of Lonnie Frisbee. That would be an interesting biopic mm-hmm. because it would kind of be, it kind of be the cross between a biopic. Like if you took, if you were to take Billy Graham and Freddie Mercury and merge them into one person, that's a wild, you kind of end <laughs> up with the Lonnie Frisbee story because he struggled at least the rumor is with homosexuality, he died of AIDS, died in the mid, his mid forties. Like oh, Chuck wow. did his funeral, um, and, and compared him to Samson. Um, you know, just a very, a, a flawed, is he a prophet or not? I mean, that that's not for me to decide. There's a scene in the movie where he kind of like claims to be a prophet, mm. which was kind of like the, like it was an example of his ego run amok a little bit. Uh, any, any other thoughts before we get to the, yeah, topic? you just touched on something that, that, uh, my good buddy Joe actually mentioned after we left JB's house that night. Yeah. And um, 
you know, he was questioning me, you know, he says, you know, you guys think that you can know the one true God and your God's the only right God and everybody else is going to hell. So, like, so real quick, just, just to give the, the audience a little context yeah. uh, for Christmas, we had a men's get together yeah. at a friend of ours, JB, it was a bunch of smoke meats and we were hanging out. It was Wild cold. Game. It was nice. Yeah. yeah. Wild game. So we, we had this kind of church event and you brought a friend that's not a believer. Correct. And uh, on the drive home, you know, obviously you gave him a lot to think about that night. And on the drive home, you know, he kind of, it was really quiet for a little while. And, and then he says, you know, uh, you're, you're perfectly fine with millions of people going to hell based off you being right and them being wrong. And I said, not at all. And so he's, he kind of touched on, uh, you know, uh, tribes in Africa that have never seen or, or tribes in South America that are still living as indigenous people. And he's like, so those people don't get to go to heaven. And I said, no. I said, and you can elaborate on this, you know, yeah, you know the scripture much better than I do. But I remember as a child going through Awana's program. Awana, you know, and, and right. And I've remembered this my whole life that, you know, in the Bible at some point it said, you know, every man will have an opportunity to know me. Yeah. And you just said maybe he did too much acid. And that was, that was actually an analogy that I used with Joe. I said, hey. You know, these people are chewing coca leaves. They're eating peyote buttons off of cactuses. Like, there's all kinds of hallucinogenics on this planet that God has put mm-hmm. here. How do we know that somebody doesn't trip out on a peyote button and see Jesus and, and completely have the opportunity to change their life and accept Christ without missionaries? Like, that's just an idea, a thought that I had that night while we were driving home from that men's dinner that we had. And he just kind of... You know, it looked like a light bulb, and he was just like, "Man, I've never even thought of that." I, mean, I, w- I would say, Justin, you, you want to jump? Yeah, in? I mean, yeah. The, like the having lived in the Middle East, I mean, there's stories of thousands of Muslims coming. I was exactly to, where I was going to go. Thousands of Muslims coming to know, become Christians because they had a dream of Jesus. Yeah, and, and the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. So I mean that I mean no man has an excuse. I mean you exactly. you, you yeah. can. We, we, when you just sit there and just in nature all the time, yeah, like it makes it only makes sense. But I think yeah. that's uplifting for people that don't believe because that night, out of everything that we all, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on that night at that dinner. Yeah, a lot of opinions being thrown around and a lot of facts being thrown around, a lot of scripture. But the one thing that he really seemed to understand was there's things on this planet that. You don't understand whether it be a, some kind of a hallucinogenic plant or something completely natural, but it could turn into a spiritual. Well, and and what I would say, and I think this, this really dovetails right off of what you're, what you're saying. I think ties it together is like your buddy, Joe, and I'll say this, hoping that at some point, maybe he, he, he watches this or, or listens to it, but, um, He's so focused on other people's encounters and experiences with God. Well, what about them? You know, can God reveal himself to, 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 you know, to somebody else? Like he's so focused on other people without the, like taking the step back and saying, Hey, I've been on this journey. I've been on this weird quest and, and I'm at a church event with no interest in being in a church event. I'm not even sure how the heck I got here. You know, he asked to come. And, and here I and here I am, and and now I'm getting hit in the face with some some knowledge. Is that God? Yeah. Like, forget about 
other people having experiences. What about you and your journey here on in Lawrenceville on a December night in a misty cold afternoon and some dude is, is in your face saying, you're fighting what you know is true. And it's like, is that not God? And, and you got to deal with that. It's easy to be like, well, what about the people? In it? Well, what about you right now in right. this moment? Yeah. And I will say, I'll say, you know, just the biblical justification for it. Because, Justin, you're right. You can go to, I would recommend people maybe research Joel Rosenberg, who has um, um, a lot of uh, documented cases of what you're talking about, of Muslims that, like, actually have visions of Jesus. And, and it's, it's, it's the revelation is, is, is amazing. And you're like, well, I don't know if that's true. Well, there's a biblical example of it. Well, Jesus is in heaven. I'll give you an example. Post-resurrection. Post-resurrection, post-ascension. When Jesus is ascended to heaven, there's a guy that's not even searching. And Jesus comes to earth and appears to him to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus and says, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking? Why are you resisting what you know is true? Why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you persecuting me? Jesus was, we have a documented scriptural case of Jesus appearing on earth to someone for revelation purposes. And if it could happen on a road to Damascus, anywhere, it can happen anywhere. And it, and, and the Bible says, and it's a promise, ask Seek, knock, ask, you'll find. And, and I can tell you as, as someone who's traveled the world and spoken to people that never heard of Jesus, never had access to Jesus, as soon as you tell them, hey, you're a sinner, they know what that means. They yeah. understand what what it means to be a sinner. That's interesting. They, they just, <laughs> you know when you're doing wrong. Yeah. You know that something's yeah. wrong. Even if you are you keep doing wrong, even if you keep doing this. Even if know, it's cult- culturally normalized and and like it's it's the justification for like prosecuting nazis in germany right culturally accepted and yet and yet the the entire premise of of the prosecution of nazis is that even though your culture said it was right you know and your government said said the government said it was right culture said it was right your scholars your scientists every we're going to prosecute you on the understanding that, that deep within your moral self, you knew what you were doing was wrong. Right. And and how do you escape that? You can't. You don't. You can't. And that's why yeah. that's why people like, you know, one of my favorite people has been... Uh, uh, Other than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David Livingston. Everybody, oh, yeah. Everybody knows him as, like, this explorer. But he wasn't just an explorer. He was a missionary to Africa. They... He, he basically disappeared for years, left his family, disappeared for years. They finally found him. And when they found him, they said, Mr. David, uh, Dr. Livingston, Dr. I, presume. I presume. And he refused to go back with him because he was so focused on preaching the gospel to the, the, the natives of, of Africa that when you go and tell somebody they're a sinner, they already know they're a sinner. Do you know when, when, he, when he died, his body was buried in England? Mm-hmm. But you know, do you know the rest of it? I believe they moved they him to Africa. Moved him back to his body was buried in England. His heart was removed and taken and buried in Africa. Oh, mm. that that's is cute. awesome. 
I mean, that could be totally made up. We've got to go find it. But regardless. When, if when, only someone had, like, the world's information on, on their right. phone. Well, I only say that to, to say when you, when you go to these people that you're talking about, when all they throw out, when these people throw out, well, what about these people? What about these people? When you go to them and, and you say, hey, this is what my God says, it, it makes sense to them. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not saying, "Oh, your God's more powerful." They're saying, "You're right. This is exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. This this makes sense to me. This is how I'm saved for that." Wise words coming from Spice Daddy on the My Pillow couch, the My Pillow sponsored couch. Are we going to get to the topic, Creighton, or, or do we have some more of this? No, 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 no. Uh, this is actually a really good jumping off point for the topic. Because okay, instead well, of talking tonight, instead of talking about um, God revealing himself to people who want to learn about him and need to learn about him through natural. Um, pause, pause. Okay. Vinny, you've what pulled something happening? up. Okay, okay, okay. Who am I going to? I guess I'm going to Vinny. So David Livingston did die in Zambia. However, he did not die at Livingstonia, but near Chitambo in Zimbabwe, in Zambia. Around May first, eighteen seventy-three, after his death, the other members of members of his expedition team embalmed his body and buried his heart near a tree, which they carved as a simple memorial in Zambia. So they his buried his heart, heart but they took his body back. Yeah, I was right. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for fact checking in real time. <laughs> All right, Craig, back to you. Is there right. a passage of scripture we need to turn to? Yes, Jonah three. Jonah three. Okay. Um, All right. So, now set us up. So instead of talking about uh, God revealing himself to people who need him through natural means and, you know, whatever, or people like Dr. Livingston, who were who was going to people because he loved them. I want to talk about Jonah because last week or a week before last, we did uh, Balaam, which you haven't watched. It's a good episode. Who was a prophet of God, like a prophet of the God Almighty, who was kind of awful. Jonah, I think, is worse. And so I want to specifically focus on Jonah 3 <laughs> and Jonah 4. I don't want to deal with the whale because everyone knows the whale wasn't story. wasn't a whale. Whatever. The big great fish. fish. Great the fish. Great yeah. fish. I don't want to deal with the great fish because everyone knows the great fish story, and it's not that interesting. What is interesting? What is interesting? Don't is say it's not that, interesting. Okay, fine, 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 yeah. fine, fine. It's not, it's not topic worthy. For you, it's not that it's interesting. It's not topic worthy for this shirt. It's overdone. It's overdone. Overplayed. What is interesting is that a prophet of God, A, refused to go, and God said, no, when I send you, I'm sending you. <laughs> and then when he gets there, he does his job amazingly. Like Jonah might be one of the most successful prophets that we have record of. He preaches in the city, and immediately the city falls to pieces in mourning. Ah, see, wait, wait, wait. And we no, talked see, about I, this no, before. I totally disagree with the way you framed the question. Okay. Hold on. I haven't even finished framing the question. Well, let me take umbrage with what you just said. Okay, fine, uh, this, fine, fine. Go, go, go. <laughs> so you said Jonah was wildly successful as a prophet, and then you qualified his success on conversion numbers, which if you've ever been a part of the Outlaw Radio Show, we know that that's complete <laughs> malarkey. Hold on. Like we don't, like we're not judging success off of conversion numbers. 
we, we, we determine success off of faithfulness. Hold on. Can hold you on. be a total I will push back? I will push can back you be against a, your pushback. Can you I'm be a jerkwad and be successful in a humanistic sense? I'm going to push but back be a terrible against your, also, prophet. I'm on camera now. I'm going to push back against your pushback. Yeah, I still have a mic. Because you can't I am not I am not judging by man's conversion numbers. I'm judging by God's conversion numbers. Verse 10, then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had does said he would bring upon Jonah them successful? and he did not do it. So does that, that comes make back. Jonah successful? That's he why, was being facetious. That is why I said I didn't finish my question. He is successful in all of the things that a prophet is supposed to do. You see what happens? Do. Right. You <laughs> yes, give him a pope hat. I'm also not Allison. listening to myself and it helps. I am all, all right. so, man. I am so, Pope Creighton. He was being he, facetious in the he way has, he was describing be, him being successful. Yes. I mean, obviously. But, like, he has the reaction that all prophets want. And then he walks out of the city, gets pissed off at God, and sets himself up to watch the destruction of the city, hoping that God doesn't give the mercy that Jonah just preached. And I don't get it. That's because the like there's Jonah's Jeremiah heart. who prophesied for 50 years and was just not acknowledged at all by anybody. I don't know why. I and I don't, this. Jonah is just the worst. God, God, sent, talk God about sent Jonah to save a city to save Jonah. But it didn't save okay, Jonah. Pause. Wait, wait. Pause, pause. No, 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 pause. Let, <laughs> Derek, let Derek explain what he just said. No, like God's, like Jonah's whole thing was by his own eyes and by his own understanding. And when he went to that city and how wrong they were doing in his own eyes to talk to them, to say what God needed to say through him, and then left to sit back and to see through his own eyes how they were going to be judged. And God showed him, no, this is you, dog. I'm saving you to see, to show you that I work. You don't work. This isn't of you. This is of me. And that your understanding is not fulfilling. It's me. You know what? You know what Jonah's, the story of Jonah sounds like to me? All these people on Facebook, they're like, oh, America's doing this. America's doing that. I hope it burns. I hope it gets dropped yeah. and stuff like that. And maybe all it takes is for them to go out and just say, hey, yeah. God's going to destroy you yeah. if you don't change. And even if they're being that sarcastic, hoping he actually does sit back and just watch it burn. Yeah. No, God, God sent Jonah to save a city to save Jonah. It's a very interesting thing because I am not certain that Jonah makes it to heaven. I don't know if Jonah's saved okay, because let's, let's, let's like let, for, for the, the audience wide. sake, for the audience sake, let, okay. let me read a little bit of Jonah's story just to add some, some color behind the conversation. Context would probably be nice, especially yeah. if you're not we, very we familiar with right Jonah. We right into it. So we're skipping over Jonah's calling. You know, just, God go comes, the, just go watch a Veggie Tales movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. When he's praying for the weed, the weed dies. He's like, Oh, Lord. No, I know. It's perfect reference. Yeah. Asparagus Bob. Yeah. It's Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. No, 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 Get it dude, together. It's, it's so the God, dude that's an asparagus. God calls Jonah, go to Nineveh, the Assyrians. Jonah's from a part of Israel, the northern kingdom, that has been brutalized by the Assyrians. So Jonah's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm out. Instead of going to Nineveh, he gets on a boat to go to Tarshish. Which he's... 
pretty justified doing because the Syrians were really <laughs> brutal, bad people, brutal yeah. people, and really, real. I cannot stress how bad yes. they were. And he had a personal. Yeah, British Museum has a whole bunch of Assyrians. <laughs> they were bad. They were. And so Jonah's like, no, I'm out. Like you want it, you want, you want to save those people, Archibald. You can do that. I'm just not going to be a part of it. Modern day equivalent would be the Nazis. I'm jumping. I'm going opposite direction. Storm Jonah gets thrown overboard. Fish spit up. You're going in Nineveh anyway, right? Cliff notes. Mm -hmm. So Jonah chapter three. Uh, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time <clears throat> saying, arise, <coughs> go to Nineveh, that great city and preach to it. The message that I will tell you. So there's this whole new beginning. Take two. So Jonah, unlike the first time he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, <clears throat> a three day journey in extent, which is important to understand. Jonah didn't get spit up on the shore of Nineveh. Nineveh is basically in Iraq. And, and the text even tells us, like, it's a three-day journey. So it's not like Nineveh's great conversion is justified by the fact that this fish comes up and spits out a guy. And he's like, repent. You know, and they're like, oh, well, we should listen to the fish guy. It's like the he comes word. out of the blowhole and yeah. lands on a statue. That's the worst fast travel in a game <laughs> right. ever. Right. Like, there's a three-day three journey. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. He cried out. He said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's his whole message. Three days, number of confirmation. <laughs> Bro's, 40 days, number of fulfillment, too. Bro's sermon is simple. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Old school Southern Turner burn. Straight up. Get right, get left. Mm -hmm. So the people of Nineveh believe God. Proclaim to fast, put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least. The word came to the king. There's this whole thing that happens, right? Verse 10, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. He did not do it. But, chapter 4, it <laughs> displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord. And said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarsus. Like, Jonah feels compelled to, like, <laughs> recap the story to God. I love the hubris so much. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Which is like this incredible testimony of God's nature. <laughs> Therefore, because of that, I was like, no. Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Basically, if this is how you're going to be, kill me now. Which is kind of what he did back with the boat when he jumped overboard, right? Yep. <laughs> then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Which I love, I love that with God. Is that he's like, okay, let's have a debate. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, all right, Jonah. Yeah, let's talk this out. Let's, let's work it out. Let's yeah. workshop it. Is it right for you? Is it righteous? Is your anger righteous? So Jonah went out of the city. He doesn't answer. Jonah goes out of the city, sat on the east side. He made himself a shelter, sat under, under it in the shade so he might see what would become of the city. So he's still hoping for judgment. And the Lord God prepared a plant, made it come over Jonah, that, I'm, that it might be shade to deliver him from his misery. And, and the speculation is that he was bleached out from the acid of the, the great fish so that he's susceptible to sun. He's in Iraq. You know, it's like... There's a lot of sun in Iraq. There's a lot of sun. So Jonah was grateful. 
for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, damaged plant, withered, happened when the sun rose, God prepared the hymn of the east wind, the sun beat on Jonah's head, he grew faint, he wished death for himself, he said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Second question, he said, is it, and he said, is it right for me to be angry even to death? Basically, he said, it is right. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night, perish in sight. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between the right hand and the left, mm. and much livestock? Mm. You know, there's, there is a Jewish tradition that says, and this is kind of like, so, so what I think is, is brilliant about the book of Jonah is how open-ended it ends. It, it, it just, it, it ends there. There's nothing else. Like they were wrong. They didn't know they were wrong, but now they know. And, and, and to the prophet, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? Who sent you? Who are you to determine who I can grant grace to or not? Because that's, that's on me. Because Jonah was righteous in his desire for judgment to come upon Nineveh because that was just. Because Nineveh, the Ninevites were atrocious people. He was righteous in his desire for wrath. But it's God. That, God's the one that determines wrath. And God is the arbitrator of justice. And if God decides to grant grace, who are we to debate? And ultimately, Jonah has a misconception of his own sin, his own wickedness, and the nature of that God's grace is not intrinsically fair. It's not. And if you're looking for fairness, God's, grace has, grace. God, God's grace has nothing for you. It's absolutely not fair. Thank God. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the opposite of karma. I thank God every day for not giving me what I do deserve. Yeah. Right. So fair and, by our own understandings is ridiculous. It's yeah. nothing fair. Judgment is giving me what I deserve. Right. Yep. Mercy is withholding what I deserve. Grace is giving me what I don't. Like, he goes a step above and beyond mercy. Like, mercy is just withholding judgment. You deserve it. I'm going to grant you mercy. But then grace comes in and is like, yeah, you deserve judgment. I'm going to withhold that. That's mercy. But now I'm going to give you blessing. That's grace. Mm. Jonah wants judgment, which is righteous. And he's, and he's got this whole perspective. Now, now, there is, so Creighton, you made the comment, I'm not sure Jonah's in heaven. There's no way to say. There's, because the story itself just leaves it there. Agreed. Just leaves it there. And again, there's the old adage that's true, <clears throat> that where God puts a period, don't put a dot, 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 a question mark, an explanation. Like, it's just, there is a purpose in it being left open, mm. which I'll address in a minute. Okay. <clears throat> there is Jewish tradition, though, that at this moment, you know, God's rebuke, God's revelation, like, who are you? Like, what, what are you doing? that Jonah fell on his knees, fell on his face, and repented, and that he cried to God, govern your world according to the measure of your mercy. Like, that's a Jewish tradition. Just It was a, it was a tradition believed, taught, assumed, presented by the rabbis. And, and you could take Jewish traditions for, what, for whatever they are. Definitely a grain of salt, maybe more. Yes. So there, there's no way to say, but there seems to be some at least historical evidence and understanding that Jonah was like, oh, oh, 
and he gets off his tush, and he goes in and he ministers to the Ninevites. Now, it should be noted that the Ninevites, despite this bit of repentance, end up being judged by God. You know, the, the, the Assyrians end up being conquered and destroyed. You don't know any Assyrians. No, by the Babylonians. So they end up receiving their own judgment. Now, they also are used, even after this, interestingly enough, as God's instrument of judgment of the northern kingdom of Israel. Take that for whatever it is. Jonah, interesting character. Now, before I continue, Justin, you're, you're chomping at the bit there. Yeah, I guess I kind of got a question. Like, just like Jonah, and, and I, I, I kind of compared Jonah's story to like the Facebook people that you know they're calling for the judgment of God. So, do we ask for God's judgment when when we're faced against an adversary uh, against adversaries, whether that be like or just injustice in general? Injustice in general. Do we ask for God's judgment against that or God's mercy for okay, for so those people? Yeah, that, that's I don't a great. Think we and, understand and, what and, justice and, is. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's a great question, that, but it's a great question. But take the story. Right. What was Jonah commissioned to say to Nineveh? 40 days or you'll... No, one step further back from that. We're told specifically, arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and what? Preach to it the message that I tell you. So before you even get to the, the substance of the message itself, what was Jonah's commission? Say what I say. Take God's word to the... What I'm telling you to say, you say. So the message to Nineveh was determined by God in that time, that place for Nineveh. Now, are there examples of God's words having a different declaration for a world power? <laughs> How about the book of Daniel? Where Belshazzar is having his party and the finger starts writing on the wall in a language <laughs> no one knows and Daniel comes in and is like, yeah, you're all going to die tonight. Like, that was God's message. It wasn't repent. You have 40 days repent. God didn't even give a message of repentance. It was a declaration. It was a sentence. Whew. You're all going to die. It was more like a 40-minute declaration. And that's because crazy. in that very moment, the Persians are coming under the gates. They could do it again now. So, so to answer your question, okay, so we live in America, which is a declining empire. It is. What that looks like in this, I mean, it's declining in the sense that like we've we've lasted longer than any other empire. Like, what was it, Thomas Jefferson that said every two hundred years you need a revolution? Like, things don't go on in a status quo forever. There's no empire that has lasted. And you look back and and you you get to Daniel two and the succession of empires. Yeah, you had the Egyptians ahead of them, but then you know you you start with you have the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks. You have the Romans, and then there's not really an empire designated. You have this mixture of iron and clay, this what we would call a revised Roman Empire at the end. Have we had a global empire? No, we haven't. I mean, the British were the closest to it, America in its own its own way, but there's not a global empire. Like there, there is this, this, and there hasn't been, um, is, you know, where are we in, in the, in the scope of America? I mean, I would say if you're trying to play this out biblically, we're in the, the early formations of this revised Roman empire, this, this, 
this globalist European Union type of thing. Where does America fit in that? I don't know. But like America, okay, we are in decline. We are definitely morally. Um, we are financially. The American dream for my generation, for my kids' generation, looks much different than it was for my parents or their grandparents. So, I mean, we are, we are in a totally different country in that sense. And so the question is like, well, then, as Christians, as prophets, as representatives of God, and a prophet is a mouthpiece for God, and part of our role as Christians is to be a mouthpiece for God and a culture. What do we say? Well, we say what God tells us to. Well, how do, how do we distinguish with, with the I think it's an individual. overall church be, being so large, I guess? I think it's all individual. And I'm hearing so many, but we're hearing so many different voices, I guess. So many different Jonah's saying, oh, destruction, oh, this, oh, that. Like, which okay. one is right? Okay, I think me... I have an answer for this, if I can. Yeah, jump in. Yeah, Pope, I would I would say that... that the, bring, bring your authority. I would say that it is... I would say that in the church age, what we are told to tell the world is different from what God told prophets to tell. In the, and so right now, I would say... The answer is to repent of your sins or you will be destroyed, which is basically the same thing that Jonah that's, is telling yeah, you. Yeah, that's been the same. I can all. just give, I can give, and I can give them the same, like it's not a 40 day mark. It's a repent before you die or you will be destroyed. Like that's it. Like in the short term, that's it. Here are the things that you should be doing and here are the things you should not be doing. Follow these things, but most importantly, repent or you will be destroyed. Like that is the extent of it. It's just, it is exactly what Jonah think, is saying. And I think that there's, and I think that still comes out in America. Like, Hey, America repent or we will be destroyed. Okay. Like, I do believe that it's easy to, it's easy to put that in a very broad sense. I agree with everything you said. I'm not, I'm I, not discounting I, that. Right. I think that on a broad sense, that is all that matters in a broad sense, but let's bring it into the particulars of, of each of us, our own worlds, our own, our own, our own sphere of influence, right? Um, a guy, there's a guy that I really admire a lot. His name's Ryan Bomberger. I've done an interview with him uh, on the Outlaw Radio Show earlier on. Ryan Bomberger runs Radiance Foundation. Yes, life has purpose. Uh, he he was conceived in rape. His his birth mom decided not to abort him, um, and he was adopted by the Bombergers, and who had adopted twelve kids, mm. and his life has purpose. He's never met his birth mother. He's no idea who his, who his dad was. Um, and, and as a result, he's a believer, loves Jesus. But, but his, like, his place in America is that, and, and again, it's, it's, it's a unique calling. I, I heard him in a, um, it was a women's shelter conference type of a thing. Uh, they were raising money for a local women's shelter, and he spoke, and I was blown away by it, had him on the show. But, like, he has this calling to speak out culturally to the issue of abortion. He also happens to be black, I do believe. Yeah, he, he's black. Um, and he speaks very passionately, very particular, about the issues of abortion. That's his calling. So he's speaking to a cultural thing in America in a very particular way. Now, does that mean that everybody's called to, like, to make abortion their chief platform? We should stand on truth. But No. No, not at all. Like, that's not that's not necessarily all of our... Like, we're all not Ryan Bomberger. Now, should we support guys like that? Sure. And, and then there are people that are that are very much like... Like, their calling is like... Um, 
the the liberation of of women from the sex trade, which is an an epidemic. It's it's a major issue in America. It's not talked about enough. It's 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 a thing. Is that everyone's calling to make that their platform? No, no, not at all. Like God raises up certain people for certain things at certain times and and go for it. That that's where like I think the church this is where we get back to like this ministry philosophy. The church is not is not called to adopt social platform. What is the church job? Equip the saints for their own social platform. The job of the church is to teach and equip and encourage and to come behind individuals for their particular calling. Um, there are people that have like a specific heart for homeless. If you don't have the heart for the homeless, who am I to say that you're wrong? Like God's call on you might be something totally different. So it's like, again, we get very broad. Like, yeah, okay, you're right. The, the, the message is the same. Judgment's coming. Salvation's offered. Pick. But in, in the nitty gritty of how we interact with culture, I think that there is room for, again, God gave, what was Jonah's job? To come up with the message? Jonah's job was to deliver the message that God gave him. And yes, there's a broad application. But if we want to get specific, what is the God's message for you? Who is God sending you to? What message is he giving you f- to give to them? And there is a, a particular, like the people that God calls Vinny to is different than the people God's calling you to, Creighton, or me. Like Vinny has a unique calling. Why? Well, he, he works in an industry that's different, that is probably broadly a bit more uh, rambunctious and godless. I think to say that mildly. Uh, no, Vinny doesn't run a strip club. That's not that's not the, the point. Uh, but my the application is is like the people that God is sent Vinny to determine probably a bit of a different particular message that God is giving Vinny, in which he needs to now be faithful to deliver that. Whereas yes. Justin or me or you like it's it's all about again, the church is not to, to, to be the Great Commission is given to people. Go to your world. Your world is different. And it's not, I would even. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense yeah, to you guys? Yeah, sure. I would, actually, yeah. I would like to add on to it because it's not just go to your world. It's go to the world that I'm sending you to. To your, yes. Because a lot of the time. That's true. Yes. Like we, we were talking about Chuck yeah. Smith earlier. He somehow, and for some, he for God, appealed to hippies. And he didn't said appeal. that he was 45 no, that was or something. He didn't appeal at all to hippies, but he got sent to them. Right. Right. So it's not just go to your world. It's go to where I'm sending you. Exactly. No, that's true. I and think in he equi- and then we all fall back to and the, I think the, you need he to be equips sensitive. those he calls. You need to be yeah. sensitive to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm other than just loving Chinese buffets, I never would have thought God would have called me to China. <laughs> 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 never. It was never on my radar. Never on my radar. And the same for me. And the diesel was. industry was never on my radar. I mean, I... I had a background in timber framing and log homes and somehow I got suckered into the diesel industry. And I think I, I'd be more like Jonah, like going to, you know, the God has swallowed you by more fish than you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a rough crowd. So it's, it's, uh, 
I'm not uh, I'm not hanging out in Sunday schools during the week. That's for sure. Yeah. The question is, is who's God sending you to? Right. Isn't that the application? Yeah. And I think we're well, all where we're, <coughs> we're supposed to be. So how do you how do you determine that? Man, that's between you and maybe, the Lord. And maybe yeah, that's a no, another sure. whole nother. No, that's a great, but that's a great I question. I have an answer to that. I think it's a great question with a very okay. simple answer. It's Go who God it. sends you to. Yeah, yeah, and that's where we're at. Yeah, but and, and okay, you know, taking the story of Jonah, and I think we can we can apply this in other ways too. Okay, how do I know? How, how do I know it's God sending me someplace? I'll give you an easy indicator. Your first reaction is no. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a no. It's like a a no. Oh, Oh, no. God's going to send me here. I don't want to go. No, I mean, you go back. Again, we tie it all together. Jesus' revolution. Chuck's like, no. No, no, no. No, No, I have nothing in common with these people. Like, this is not no. I mean, you see it with Peter and the Gentiles. You see it. Paul Paul should have been sent to the Hebrews. Right. But he gets sent to the Gentiles. You know, you, you know, you just look across the board. That's a good one. You know, it ends up being um, Jose and his wife. I, I mean, I mean, I get like if you want a good indicator. That's a good. One. How do I know? How do I know that God's really sending me here? What's your What's your reaction? I'm. This is perfect. Probably not right. I I can <laughs> so, tell you that right off the bat. Just my so, Winder, Georgia. Last place on earth, I right. thought I'd end up. <laughs> well, one of my buddy, one of my buddies in China, who, who I, I don't want to speak names or anything, just because he's well, you don't still have to. There. No one's asking you. For he's his name. from the mountains of North Carolina. Like I'm talking Appalachia uh, hillbilly in the middle of China. I mean, it, it, not the guy you would have thought would have gone. No. Do gone you there. think Mike Lindell was the right guy to be making right. pillows? <laughs> right. I mean, look at that face. Look at that hanging face. Hanging over your shoulder. Yeah. He wanted to be right. a dentist. Yeah, that's a dentist. Or a chiropractic. Right. <laughs> making pillows. There's a... Um, there's a, there's a really Pope. funny... I know. I shouldn't be Pope. I also shouldn't be in Winder. Look at me. I obviously should be in Midtown. Anyway, there's a, there's a funny... Um, the same idea has been presented to me as a millennial when I was in high school, college was the idea that like when you're playing a video game, how do you know if you're going the right way? You find enemies there. Mm. There aren't enemies behind you, but they're always in front front of you. You know how you're, you know, you're going the right way when you reach resistance, which I think is true in a lot of ways for the Christian and for the, for the, you know, all Christians also, all Christians are ministers, right? In one way or another, hopefully um, if they're doing their job. If they're not, then they're not. But and if you're going the right way, you will reach resistance. At some point, it will show up. Things will get bad. So basically, what you're telling yeah. me is, you find the people you hate the most and go preach the gospel to them. Embrace the suck. Em- uh, not Embrace not, the not suck. necessarily. Yeah. I would Embrace say um, <laughs> you would have to have some kind of connection to them of some right, kind. Right, right, right. Jonah didn't have a connection to the Syrians. Other yeah, than he did. It just wasn't just, a good connection. <laughs> 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 he just hated them. He definitely had a connection to them. So let me. He let was me, very aware of. Let them. me add because we're out of time. But let me add yeah, another we're, wrinkle. We're over. Let me add a wrinkle. Well, we're. I mean. It's our we're show. We do whatever we want. Solid point. I'm the Pope. <laughs> right. God wills it. God wills it. God wills so, it. This is the way. So there's a there's a. This is the way. Anytime the you're way. you're looking at the minor prophets, um, 
there is there is like bigger questions you have to ask that help you try to understand the book, the prophet, the story, why it's in the Bible, um, why it was first in the Hebrew Bible, why is it in now the Christian Bible, which we adopted the Old Testament from the Hebrew Bible, so it's, the two are synonymous. But you have to ask bigger questions. Like, why? Like, for example, Hosea. You mentioned Hosea earlier. Why is the story of Hosea, this really trippy story, why is it in the scriptures? It's it's because there was an, a much larger allegorical point that God was making to the children of Israel that they need to understand. And he was using the story of this at literal prophet that did these actual things in a historical time frame. But the story is included in scripture because there's a much broader idea that is um, trying to be communicated. You have to, with every prophet, you have to ask yourself, is there broader things that, are, that God's trying to articulate? And in that sense, I think this, the story of Jonah makes a little bit more sense, especially the way that it ends. And I mentioned this earlier that I was going to get to the ending. Why is the ending? Think about the story of Jonah. And place the story of Jonah within the greater context of the children of Israel. Because in a lot of ways, Jonah is a bit of an allegory um, that not only documents the children of Israel and their history, but then also presents this challenge for their future. Um, First, Israel was called and commissioned with the identical calling of Jonah. Like they were, they were pulled out of Egypt, sanctioned, ordained, made holy. Why? To be a witness to the world. They were called out to be a, a, a bright and shining hill for the Gentile world. The Jewish people were to be a witness to the Gentiles. That was their calling. And what was Jonah called to do? Jonah was called to go and be a witness to the Gentiles. He had a unique position, relationship with God, uh, and interaction with God. And God said, Hey, in the context of all that, I need you to go and be my representative to the Gentile world. But what happened? Jonah resisted. Why? Because he was fearful that God would extend his grace to the Gentiles of which he hated, which again is the exact story of why did the the Jewish people fail in their mandate. They hated the Gentiles. Or they were jealous of the Gentiles. There's a lot of different reasons. But then, but then the third is what happened. What happened as a result of Israel failing to fulfill their calling to reach the Gentile world? Well, they're thrown into the sea. Mm. They're not swallowed up and destroyed, but they're assimilated. Israel gets destroyed. Israel gets swallowed up by the world and gets assimilated, right? But then what happens? There's restoration. She gets spit up on dry land. She's back. And now what? She's given the same calling. And as of today, she's still rejecting God's calling to the Gentiles. But in the end, she'll accept Jesus and be grafted in. You see what I'm saying? You brought that around really well. So there is this, so Jonah, like, why does, why is it open-ended at the end? Well, this is, this is, there's a, 
Hey, you hate the Gentiles. You've been called to the Gentiles. You've now been assimilated. And then a second time God calls you. Now we, we can repeat this. What will you do? What will you do? And there's, and that's why it's left open-ended. Because there is an open-ended nature to God's dealing with the Jews. And today, the book of Jonah exists to say, what will you do with the world? Right? Yeah. And so I think that's probably the best explanation for why it's left open. And then if you take Jewish tradition and history in regards to Jonah, in the end, they'll come around, right? Mm-hmm. So. Hope. Amen. Any final thoughts? Where are we at? Oh, that was great. Hot day. Yeah, I'm glad not being a fish. Um, I have a, a quick comment addendum that I would like to add that has yes. nothing to do with the actual episode. Okay. Um, I When we were talking about the email and the T-shirts and the first three people to email us, I put that in the comments. One of our uh, lovely commenters named Stormy, I've never seen this name before, but I'm glad that you posted this. I posted, and I was still under my face, my own Facebook and so I look like a scam. Kaladin. And so they look like a scam. Kaladin Stormbringer. Right, because I, I put it in the comments like, hey, email us at the address and <laughs> oh, we'll send you a okay. free t-shirt. I look at scam. They called me out. You're, you're right on. I'm actually on the show. We are doing first three people <laughs> to email <laughs> Your us. Your personal Facebook does look like a scam. Oh, that's at, funny. At Creighton at gmail.com. We'll get a free t-shirt. Uh, first three people. This is not a scam, but they are right. You should not answer uh, email addresses that are in the comments of videos on Facebook and YouTube. (laughs) They are 100% right. I get why they thought it was a scam, but I am on board. Like, this is me. Promise. Okay, okay. The first 12 of the 12 tribes of Judah. Okay, we'll make this easier. (laughs) If you email popecrate at gmail.com, you don't have to put any personal information. Just say, who dis? Who did new phone? Who dis new who phone? Dis? Who new dis? phone? Who dis <laughs> phone? Who dis? And and I will personally reply with a an authentic, specified email where there's no question that this is a scam at all. Vundeba, that makes it who dis? Shouldn't you who be dis? saying like grazie or something? I want a good Dominic DeCoco. I want to hear the Dominic DeCoco. You're out of control. Does anybody get that reference? You're out of control. Yeah, dude. Pope Vaughn. Inglorious Bastards. It's one of the Americans he's trying to pass as an Italian. So he has to say his name repeatedly for a Nazi who's in Dominic DeCoco. Quentin He wants to hear the Grazie. Derek, you got uh, anything yeah. left? No, Dominic De Coco. Dominic De Coco. Vinny, thank you for taking time out of your night. Absolutely. And uh, hanging out with us. Happy to be here. It's always always fun. You've been super busy. I have been. And uh, so you messed up your ankle. Yeah. And uh, and you came or, in. Tell tell the audience your story. How, so how you how you explained breaking your ankle here? We were uh, me and a buddy were hog hunting. And we turn these dogs loose on this hog scent, and we're chasing these dogs down. And the whole idea is the dogs get a hold of the hog, and you run up and you stab the hog in the heart, and then you make delicious sausage. That's what I do. And um, <laughs> Right. So we're chasing these dogs through the woods, and uh, I jump over this creek and land. And right then I woke up and had to pee. So <laughs> I uh, ran to the bathroom, tripped over a dog toy, and broke my ankle. So <laughs> I've got an uh, appointment with the 
orthopedic nice. surgeon tomorrow. Yeah. Nice. Where was Man. this? Nice. In my living room. In his, in his head. Did you not in follow the story? Yeah, I was not, dreaming about hog hunting and I woke up and had to I pee. didn't catch the dreaming oh. thing. I was I, trying I to figure out where oh I could go about hog hunting in Georgia because I would have gone if I had known. Oh, you totally go. need to pray for Creighton's discernment too. You can only go hog hunting if you wear that hat while you're hog hunting. I'm down. I wear this hat. I wear this hat every day. So Spice Daddy, Spice Daddy, any final thoughts? No, we pretty much covered everything. Any uh, any general plugs you want to make? No, I think I'm really good. You know, (laughs) (laughs) but if Mike Lindell wants to to email. Uh, Pope Vaughn at gmail.com. We'll give him a free t-shirt Pope if he Creighton. gives us some. Yeah, Pope Creighton. How do you spell Creighton? Uh, C-R-E-I-G-H-D-O-N. Very if important. he gives us, if he gives free pillows, we'll give him some free I swag. Just, so uh, it's, a, it's a mutual exchange. Amen. If he's the first Amen. of three. That's right. <laughs> listen, listen, Mike Lindell, there's no doubt in my mind, would make the most comfortable, the most comfortable Pope hat. Amen. You Bruh. can imagine. All right, so for my closing arguments, I would like to say, Mike Lindell, I will take any and all money that you have to give us. Uh, also, we don't have any current sponsors, so. I would also take the Look at this. Snuggy as a sponsor. The snuggy. I would rock Bro. a Snuggy while being Dude, I want a Thuggy. Yeah. All right, we're way beyond time. I'm hitting some music. And we're yep. taking us out. Take us out, All buddy. right, here we go. Welcome. Thank you so much for watching. Listening, whatever, whatever we're doing now. The Outlaw Radio Show. Um, if you are watching, check out the podcast. So what you what you were watching, what you were consuming tonight was the recording of a podcast that will get released on Thursday. And uh, Apple, Google, Spotify. So check that out. Share that with your community. If you are listening, uh, check out the live stream. So 8 o'clock, Wednesday nights, Eastern Standard Time. Um, is the Outlaw Radio Show. We live stream the recording of the podcast so you can interact with us, hang out with us. We'd appreciate that. Once again, my name is Zach Adams. I'm joined by these knuckleheads. So glad that they were with me tonight. And uh, see you guys this time next week. God bless you.